My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Now, I don't know why the people who chose the lectionary left out what I think is one of the most important passages in the Gospel of Mark. We read right up to this last week, and we skipped over it to get to this week, but Peter, right before this story, says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He has that realization that this just isn't a prophet, this just isn't a good teacher, this isn't just a good man, this is the Messiah for whom we've been waiting. Then Jesus says, by the way, in the near future, I'm going to die. And Peter doesn't want that to happen. Who would want the Messiah that he just figured out is coming to die? So there's three parts to this passage that we read. The first one has to do with what we want. Peter says, now that I've discovered the Messiah, don't leave. It's not going to happen. I can't believe it. He's, he's in denial. But the first part is what I want. The second part is what Jesus wants. If you want to follow me, Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Jesus wants followers. He wants disciples. He wants self-deniers. We're going to talk about it. And the third part of this passage is this. What the world needs. The world needs a new perspective. If you look at the world today, we're all very concerned with our stuff. Uh, like in the children's sermon, we're, we're worried about gathering our my marbles the countries are worried about their boundaries and who's got the oil and who's got the coal and who's got this and who's got that. And we have forgotten that the world is a complete environment that God made for us to share and grow in together. So this is one of my favorite stories and I know you've heard it before, but I really want you to think about this today because the title of the sermon today is Cutting the Ends Off the Ham." So a little girl is watching her mom make Sunday dinner, and I know about you, when I was a kid, we often had ham for Sunday dinner. And as the mom is getting the ham ready, ready, she cuts off the front and the back of the ham and puts it in the oven. Little girl says, Mom, why did you cut the ends off the ham? Mom says, I don't know. My mother always did it. She said, let's call. So they call Grandmom up, and they say, Grandmom, why, why do we cut the front and the back off of the ham before we put it in the oven? And she said, I don't know. My mother always did it. Well, luckily, great-grandmother is alive, so they call great-grandmother up and they say, great-grandmother, why do we cut the ends off the ham? And she begins to laugh. And they say, well, what's so funny? She says, when, you're, you're, you're my, you're, when I first got married... My pan wasn't big enough to hold the ham. And I had to cut the back and the front off of it to fit in the pan. Now I want you to hear this. Three generations later, they're cutting the ends off the ham. Why? Because somebody in there passed it. In. And, and I'm sorry to say that there's people who call themselves Christians, who come to church faithfully and sit in the pews faithfully, and what are they doing? They're just cutting the ends off the ham. So I want to challenge you to start thinking about the way you come to church 
Uh, I was reading this week and one guy said there's two kinds of dogs in the world. Now, you know, we always hear about the two kinds of people or the three kinds of people, you know. There's people that make things happen, people that watch things happen, people that let things happen, and people that say, what happened? Well, there's two kinds of dogs, according to this author. There's uh, the dog that scarfs everything down. And I've, I've had one of those in, in my family It'll even eat things that it doesn't like. If you throw it up in the air, the dog will catch it and eat it. Uh, Vicky's and my dog, Sadie, who I, I miss terribly, would do that. And I don't like the little corn cobs, the baby ones in Chinese food. I don't like them. Sadie didn't like them either. But if I threw it in the air, she would catch it. And then, I'm sorry to say, the next day she would reproduce it, but... She, she would literally eat anything. I would leave her crumbs, I mean crumbs on my plate and set it down and you would have thought it was a feast in the palace of King Solomon. She would just lap it up. And every now and then, Vicky and I are eating because Sadie's been gone a couple of years. I look down and I miss her spot because that's where I would put my plate. And I had a neighbor once who used to cook for her dog. Have you, have you had a neighbor like this? That dog ate lamb. That dog ate high-quality ground beef. She would cook the chicken and pull the bones out. For that dog ate well. And if you put something down like perhaps regular dog food, that dog would just sneer at that food, scoff, even uh, walk away. That was a finicky, spoiled dog. And I'm sorry to say that some people come to church and when they hear the word of God... Some come like that dog, I, I made a note here for myself. They came like the scarf hound. Anything to do with the word of God, they're going to consume and take home with them. And some people come to church and they hear the word of God and then they sniff it and they sneer at it and they decide what they're going to do with it. So what is Jesus talking about today? He's talking about what our Christian life should look like. He's telling Peter to focus on heavenly things. Vicki and I were talking this week. I, I read a book I, I've read several times in my life. It's called The Miracle of Mindfulness. And if you're in education today, they're, they're really pushing the idea of mindfulness. And mindfulness really is just having a focus on what you're doing right now. Do you have that friend that says they're a multitasker? Well, I'm a good multitasker. But they never seem to get everything done, but they've got a lot of things started. Mindfulness, according to this author, is learning to live in the moment you're in right now and not ruining that moment by thinking about tomorrow or the next day or 10 years from now. But sometimes you just have to enjoy and participate in the moment. We had a lot of crises at the Madison household yesterday. <laughs> we were moving a sofa out and we broke the door. Uh, uh, Vicky's daughter had a flood at her house and we had her daughter and Theo, the grandchild, over making blueberry muffins to stay out of the way of the plumber. So we've got the door going, we've got the muffins going, we've got the grandchild going, and he's learned to turn things on and off. That's his big hobby of life. So he found the radio, and it would go on, and it would go off, and it would go on, and it would go off. And I just scooped up the grandchild, because sometimes you got to do that. 
and I tickled him and I snuggled him and I hugged him and then he just laid his head. It's his version of a hug because he'll never get his arms around Grandpa. Grandpa's a fairly large person. But he just laid his head right here. Oh, it was a moment. And Jesus says, we've got to look for those heavenly moments. We've got to focus on the right now, not on the stuff, not on the tasks, not on the things that we have to or might have to or ought to or probably may want to do. But we've got to focus on the right now. And he just He challenges disciples to deny, pick up their cross, and follow. I want you to hear this. Jesus had not yet told the disciples how he was going to die. I want you to notice that Mark made that very clear. Jesus said that the Son of Man, that was his term for himself, is going to be persecuted and killed and raised again in three days. And in, in the first century, Jewish convicts were killed by stoning. Roman convicts were killed by crucifixion. So the whole idea of Jesus being put on a cross doesn't even fit with their Jewish minds. So when he says to them, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, that was one of those jarring statements because they had no concept that that's the way that they would be, that he would be put to death. Jesus warns us that there are two choices, and it's pretty simple. There's heaven, and the people who go to heaven are concerned with souls. And then there's hell, and people who go to hell are concerned with stuff. He says, are you concerned with souls, or are you concerned with the stuff? Now, I want you to know that there was a man who was bored on eBay a few years back, and he put his soul on eBay. I don't know if you heard about this. It was in the news. And he thought he'd start the bidding at a nickel. And his uh, ex-girlfriend bid for his soul. And other people bid. And before eBay took it off, his soul got all the way up to $400. And they interviewed him. And they said, well, what, what did you think would happen? He said, well, I put right in there that my soul was sort of attached to me. And they couldn't have it until I died. He said, I was just bored and wanted to see what happened. He was concerned with the stuff and not with his soul. Jesus also warns us that if we are ashamed of him, when eternity comes, he will be ashamed of us. If we are ashamed of him here, he will be ashamed of us in heaven. Now, if you're taking notes, this is the meat of the sermon. There there are three lessons I want you to hear from this. Three things that really struck out to me. And the first one is this. Jesus says, if you're going to be my follower, choose heavenly things. And we have choices every day, don't we? We've talked about this the last couple sermons. We have choices every day. And and some of the choices are innocuous. Where to buy gas? What kind of bread to buy at the grocery store? None of these decisions are going to have any eternal significance. Whether you buy Wonder Bread or what do they call it, bread in basket now at the shop, right? There's no question when you get to the door of heaven, what kind of bread did you buy for your sandwiches? But there is going to be a question about whether or not you made Jesus a priority in your life.
The story's told at uh, Notre Dame Cathedral that there were some ruffians, we'll say, and they were laughing about what goes on in the church, and they challenged one of the ruffians to go in and pretend he was Catholic and confess to made-up sins. And he went into the little booth, and the window opens, and the priest says, you know, what do you want? And he says, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And he starts spitting this yarn of made-up sins. And when it's all over, the priest had figured it out right away what was happening. He said, so what's my penance? And he said, my son in the chapel, there is a statue of Jesus on the cross. And I want you to go and stand in front of the cross and say, all this you did for me, and I don't give a damn. And he thought that was funny, so he left the confessional and he went into the chapel and he stood in front of the statue of Jesus on the cross. And he saw the nails in his hands and the nails in his feet and the pierced side and the agony that the artist had put on his face. And he said, all this you did for me. And he couldn't finish. Because he realized what Kara sang about today is the loving grace of God. God chose us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The first thing Jesus says we need to do is choose heavenly things. The second thing is this. We need to choose to follow Jesus. He says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Christianity is not a spectator sport. We're not supposed to be sedentary Christians. We're supposed to be a church on the move. Onward, Christian soldiers. I miss singing that hymn. Marching off to war. It is a spiritual war, like we, we talked about in prayer today. We, as the body of Christ, are supposed to have movement and direction. Stories told of a man who was traveling back in the 1800s, in the middle of winter, and he came across a lake. And he knew that he had to get to the other side of the lake, and there was no bridge, no boat, and the lake was frozen, but he wasn't sure how frozen it was. So he got down on his hands and knees, and he began creeping across the lake, listening for that telltale crack that meant that maybe this was not his best idea. He got about halfway across the lake and along comes a sleigh being pulled by several horses with a man singing God's praises shooting across the lake. He was creeping on the promises. That's what a lot of us are doing. Well, I know Jesus died for me and I know he loves me, but what should I do? Where should I go? Jesus says, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. It's a duty. It's not an option. If you're going to follow me, he says, these are the steps you have to take. I, I made them all letter D's in case you're writing them down. The first one is deny. It's an acquisitional ideology we need to put away. We've got to stop focusing on the stuff and focus on the souls. The second thing is we need to determine. Now this morning, the alarm clock went off and I sighed, and my beautiful wife said, are you okay? I said, I don't want to go. Now, you know where I went. To the gym. 
Did I go? I went. Why? Because I'm determined and I'm stubborn. And there's other guys at the gym who will pick on me if I don't go. There's, there's three of us. We're all in our 60s. And we're all there pretty much the same time. And we stand outside waiting for the little kid to open up the door to the gym. And if you don't go, the other two pick on the guy that wasn't there. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to be determined. And you have to pick up the cross. It's not a pleasant experience sometimes to carry the cross of Christ. But it's our duty. And the third thing is, we have to follow his direction. We don't have to choose which way to go. Jesus has already set the direction for us, and there's a destination. Simply put, with whom do you want to spend eternity? We, well, let me put it this way. Alexander the Great had conquered most of the known world, and word came to him that there was a soldier who was carousing and causing trouble and bad-mouthing the Greek army. And his name was Alexander. So Alexander the Great called for the soldier and had him brought to his tent. And the soldier was a little bit afraid, and Alexander said, are these all the things you've been doing? And the soldier said, yes. Alexander the Great looked at him and he said, then you need to either change your behavior or change your name. If you're going to be called a Christian, you need to behave that way or change your name. We need to be like the dog that scarfs everything up. We need to come hungry to learn and eager to serve. We need to stop doing the same old, same old, or we need to stop cutting the ends off the ham. If you've never confessed that you are a sinner in need of grace. And today is the day that you would make to make that decision. Believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior and accept the greatest gift of God. The front pews are open and during the last hymn you are invited to come forward and sit there and one of our pastors or deacons or elders would love to pray with you. If you need a reason to live for Jesus. If, if you need to talk to somebody about what that means to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. If you need, in the words of Alexander the Great, to change your behavior or change your name, we'd love to talk and pray with you. And finally, if you have any personal prayer concerns uh, or prayer for healing or, or somebody in your family, a challenge, Again, our front pews are open, and we would love to pray with you. Amen.